Welcome to What's Your Beef? Each week, we will introduce you to people working in the beef industry and some of the characters that help deliver the iconic event that is Beef Australia. Hello, I'm Jane Cudahy and this is What's Your Beef? For anyone who's been lucky enough to attend a Beef Australia event, you know it's much more than big hats, sensational animals, a showcase of research, development, of addressing issues, networking, gas bagging. It's also an absolute treat for your taste buds. We're all here because of beef and at the end of the day it is the product on your plate that matters. And someone who knows that concept all too well is Shane Bailey. He's Beef Australia's executive chef and I'm sure the envy of not just your industry, Shane, but most of ours too. Welcome to What's Your Beef? Hello, Jane. How are you? Well, well great. I'm fine, thanks. Um, as a Sunshine Coast boy and the executive chef of the Noosa Boathouse, how did you get involved with Beef Australia? Yeah, I was pretty lucky. So... A lot of experience with uh, large food and wine events. I sort of have to go back to my days at uh, Noosa Food and Wine. So originally Victorian, I moved up from, from Melbourne and I, I went to work for uh, Jim Barado and he was just setting up this Noosa Food and Wine Festival. So very small in the early days. The, uh, the first year I was there, we did 250 people on the Sunday and um, 10 years later, by the time that I, that I left, um, they were getting about forty thousand people to this to this little event in Noosa, and it, it sort of become the um, it was very sought after in the chef world. Um, they used to call it sort of the schoolies for foodies and chefs. So yeah. um, I can't yeah, even get my program. head around feeding that many people. That's crazy. It was yeah, a lot of fun, yeah. uh, a lot of work, but uh, um, I got to work with a lot of different egos. So initially, <laughs> it was Australians, so the best of Australian chefs, top chefs from around Australia. Uh, and then it progressed into being an international event and um, sourcing chefs from the San Pellegrino top 50 chefs in the world. So uh, I think the first year that I did it, I, it was quite daunting, some of these chefs, at Michelin stars, the top of their game. And um, to have them in my little kitchen uh, in Noosa was one thing, but certainly trying to source all their ingredients and all the uh, equipment and stuff, some of the things I've never even heard of at the time, um, yeah, it was a big, lot of experience. So um, really good, really enjoyed all of it. So, so how did you end me. up at, yeah, I was going to say, how did yeah, that so translate? From that, well, uh, from that, one of the girls that worked for me, and she was there for, uh, for a couple of years, she was a, a waitress uh, by, the, by the name of Rhiannon. So she did a couple of food and wines. Now her parents, she's originally from Rocky, her parents, Tim and Michelle, they own stage and audio. So they were thinking of doing an event uh, in the Rockhampton region because there was, there was nothing. Uh, they went to the Noosa event and saw how much fun it was and um, and, and all the people that it brought to the region and really good for the economy and all these other plus, plus, plus. Um, so I sat down with them and they said, can you give us some ideas? And I said, well, let's, let's make it happen. I'll come and do some demonstrations and do some cooking and I'll get a couple of my, my chef mates. So we started Capricorn Food and Wine Festival uh, at Yapoon at the old resort there. And I just, with two other chefs, basically. We did a couple of demonstrations. We taught the, the local guys. Some of the local guys had never done demonstrations in front of people before. So I was on stage sort of helping them, saying, just relax and do your cooking and things like that. So, yeah, different scale, a lot of fun. And so from that, the, the CEO at the time, he was having a look to see what we were doing it there and trying to get some ideas for, for Beef Australia. So at the time, Beef Australia, this would have been in 2014, 
the board and particularly the chairman, Blair Angus, they were looking about doing this celebrity chef program. Well, Blair's a big, he's a big foodie, terrific cook as well too. You can see well, where well, that, yes, <laughs> meshed those ideas said. together. Yeah. Uh, Amateur, amateur chef, uh, <laughs> butcher and producer. I'll get back to Blair a little bit later, but that, that's how I started. And, and we sat down and spoke and I said, oh, I can pitch a few ideas of things we could do at Beef Australia. I can get some chefs together and uh, I know a couple of international chefs and things like that. So that's, that's how it sort of all fell into place. And I guess the timing was right also because I'd actually just left Noosa Food and Wine, which sort of could start off Capricorn. I thought, oh, I've got a bit of free time starting this job at Noosa Boathouse. This would be nice to get away and, and go up to Rocky. It was actually the first time that I'd been to uh, Rocky and Nipun. Mm. So first of many. But, yeah, that's how that all started. Right. So, look, I've been, up until this point, been asking everyone at the end of the episode what their favourite cut is. And, you know, really I'm just helping you out Um just with some market research. But I feel like that question belongs at the beginning of this episode so we can just get it out of the road. So what's what's your favourite cut? Yeah, people ask me this all the time. Yeah, but I don't I don't want, yes. like, show off. I want, no. you know, when you're cooking for your family, last minute, you know, you've got to get something done now. What is it? Well, I, I usually say, and I only have two kids, but I usually say that's a little bit like picking your favourite child. <laughs> just so it's try. Very, it's very hard. Um, <laughs> So my, my favourite cuts, my, my go-to is, is it's called flat meat. Yep. Um, the French call it barvette, which is a lot sexier name than beef flaps. Yeah, and I use, very, I much say, so. very much so. Very much so. I use For that many reasons. For many reasons. <laughs> um, it, yeah, for some reason it doesn't have a sexy name, seeing it's such a sexy cut of beef. Um, I used to play with it and sous vide and stuff, but now I just cook it over fire over the grill and slice it up. But that's my go-to steak, and it's also um, – and it's quite a big piece. It's usually oh, – it usually comes about two kilo. It's also my show-off piece that if we're having a barbecue or out camping, mm. um, that's what I'll pull out. Right. Because camping's, you know, synonymous because, with show-offs. That's yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> it's just really packed with flavour. Mm. Um, so, so it's yeah, it's pretty hard to go against that. Okay. If I'm doing some slow cooking, um, I think short ribs are pretty hard to yeah. to um, go past. Yep. That'll be my uh, if I'm doing a food and wine dinner or something very special. Okay, we'll go into more of these later because I do want to talk to you about you know. Um, is some beef better than others and, and how you cook it? And I, do, I definitely want more detail. And I guess it leads into the next sort of thing I wanted to talk to you about because we don't hear about beef flaps that much. And the whole focus for the 2021 event is secondary cuts. I think following off the back of, of the last beef event, that was a pretty big focus too. So why is it so important to, to really focus on those secondary cuts? And firstly, you know, for the uninitiated, what is a secondary cut? Yeah, well, this is um, something that we started with our with our chef program. I guess it was the the priority, sort of showing people of this 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 is the importance of using this because um, the the utilization of the whole carcass is, is very important. So basically, what that means is you want to use the whole product before you go on to the next. And unfortunately, a lot of Australians um, only only think of uh, beef contains I fill it. Uh, sirloin scotch, maybe some minced meat, um, and, and that's, a, that's about it, and some braising stuff. <laughs> but, no, there's some slow stuff. Oh, yes. Um, so there's because so much more to it. Because MasterChef told them so. Yeah, and when, and when you break it down, um, there's so many different muscles 
And um, a lot of these things like barvet, it's not slow cooking. Things like skirt, which is also very similar the way it's cut, and flank steak, and there's even parts of the chuck that are actually beautiful as steaks. So the whole um, the concept was, well, why are they called secondary cuts when it's not actually coming second? It's, it's actually a lot of it's coming first. This is actually better because it's got so much more flavour, um, and particularly it's better for your back pocket as well, so you can eat it every day if you like. Mm. Um, so let's call it tasty cuts. So when we refer to it uh, in, in Beef Australia worlds and our chef world, it's it's not a secondary cut, it's a tasty cut. So people that uh, most people are quite intelligent, <laughs> they would say, well, hang on, this is not this is not second or third. This is this is what you need to be doing. And is that breaking through? Because you know that's been the, the focus for a little while now, and you know it, it, it is prominent in um in the beef event. So do you find that in your everyday conversations back in Noosa and in the supermarket or wherever you are? you know, engaging with people around food. Is it catching on? Yeah, it was, I guess we started this in 2014, so it's a, lot, a lot's happened in seven years. We've had the boom of brisket. Everyone knows what a brisket is now. Probably back in 2013 to 2014, not many people did. And oxtail and those sort of and beef cheeks? Well, beef cheeks, oh, that's, I go through about eight boxes of beef cheek uh, at the boathouse every single week. So people know and they enjoy the beef cheeks too particularly probably because it's not something they do at home every day um, because I cook it for 12 hours overnight, so 90 degrees. That, that's another story, but definitely, um, and you can see that through when you go to the, the butchers and when you go to certain supermarkets, they will have them in there. Um, and they even refer to them, I, I've seen in some supermarkets, like um, the chef cuts or the butcher's cut. They haven't said tasty cuts yet. Not that we own the brand because it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you're seeing more and more of it, and uh, and and people are less afraid to use them because they are actually very easy to cook. Um, one of the most important things is, and I'll throw this in there while we're talking about the the uh, the actual cuts. Mm. It's not the actual cooking of the beef. It's it's understanding. Um, well, that's obviously important too. Um, but most people know how to. I think most people know how to cook a steak, even dads that might do no cooking. I don't know. know how to cook I've a steak. come across some pretty dodgy steaks by people who should know <laughs> well, better. Well, we're, we're trying. We're yeah. trying. We're, we're trying. Don't, don't ruin your steak. It's, no, a lot but even beef into... producers that really should know better, I've still, um, you uh, know. That's... There's a lot that goes into it, so you've got to get the best out of it. Yeah. Um, but I would say the most, the most important things, because you can cook everything perfect and, and rest it and cook it to uh, medium rare, um, and then you cut it the wrong way, so it becomes fibrous. Mm. So it's it's all about cut, uh, cutting across the grain. So a lot of those tasty cuts are better served if you slice them up to serve them. So I always say make sure you cut it against the grain. And you can see when you get a bit of piece of meat, um, you can see which way the grains are going. They're basically like lines mm. in the meat. Yep. Um, and I tell people that uh, the general rule, so you don't forget, it's like the train lines go one way and you've got to cross the train tracks. So you always remember you cut that way, not the other way. I can hear you doing that with your hands at the same time. <laughs> I'm, I'm, do, I'm doing it with my hands on, on the bench. Yeah, <laughs> as I can a, hear As you if there was that. an imaginary piece of meat right in front of me. <laughs> well done. Such a professional. Now, we, um, <laughs> when you're talking about cooking, and you know, we can go backwards and forwards with this, I'm sure, but has technology changed the way that beef is cooked? 
Oh, definitely, definitely. So wow. first, first in the restaurant game, um, and and this is certainly well, talk about the restaurant game. This has certainly helped um, the promotion and the utilisation of the whole carcass because now chefs aren't afraid to use it as much. Mm. Um, so, well, the, the first thing, people have learned how to use a thermometer. Stop so it. Thermometers, thermometers have been around for over 100 years, but it's not something that we sort of came across, I think, at trade school or whatever. It was all, always about feel, um, touch and feel, and they, you, you do this thing on the hand. I don't know if you've ever seen it, rare, medium, rare where you do your little fingers yes. and things like that. Yeah, or that. put the put the fork in and, and touch it on your wrist. Correct, oh, yeah. correct. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't actually work for all cuts because all muscles are different and all yeah, they have different release points. Mm. Um, so you can think one feels, let's say, the bar vat, well, that feels medium rare compared to that sirloin, um, but it's not. But if you put a thermometer in there and it comes up at uh, uh, the temperature right in the middle piece, you know exactly where it's at. So there's no guesswork. So guesswork has been taken out with the thermometer. Do you have to remember a heap of different temperatures? My temperature that, that I like to cook beef, because I like my beef um, basically medium rare, no more than medium rare. Um, and it's important that everyone's different. So medium rare is about 58 degrees. Right. So any less than 58, 57, that, that's on the rarer side of things. So... 58 is good. It's also important that 58 is enough temperature um, to start breaking down some of those fibres and muscles that you might get in those other things. So it gets, it gets a little bit complicated, but um, so I wouldn't suggest a rare, if you like it rare, I wouldn't suggest rare for every cup. I would say if it's got bone on, you should cook it a little bit more to get the maximum flavour out of it. I mean, it's still good, but um, as, as a chef, I always try to get your maximum, maximum tenderness, maximum flavours. So 58 the number I could do. I could put a big 58 on my back. Yep, that's <laughs> it. number 58 is my, magic my number. footy jumper yeah. <laughs> and I'd be really happy. There you go. Um, that might be a uniform choice for beef yeah, 21. Six, but... 60 degrees uh, or 61 starts getting to about medium. Radio. So anything above that is probably ruined. <laughs> some, people, like, some people like it. It's like... Uh, Everyone's different. It's like wine, I guess. That's yeah. how that's how that's how I think the, the maximum to get maximum flavor, maximum tender, fifty eight. So that's your thermometer. Well, so when you because I remember a couple of the dinners, or maybe it was just the one that I was at um, at the two thousand and eighteen event. Uh, thermometers were handed out at one of the celebrity chef dinners. So what was the reaction? Because you would have been there. What was the re- reaction to the majority of that room? Were they a bit mystified at being handed out a, a um, thermometer or? Would, no, Where I thought it? it was a fantastic idea. It was. I like, say, I've I still got get, mine. I didn't get one. Well, I did. I got asked <laughs> if I got one, but I did have one down there. Yeah, and it probably should have been explained a bit more that uh, we want you to go home and enjoy it yourself. So um, all you need is a – and it doesn't have to be an expensive thermometer. No stress because people can get a bit stressed out about – especially if they've got people over. I want to cook my steak right. I don't want to be embarrassed about overcooking it. So thermometer, easy. Yeah, there you go. Well, Practice there you it go. once or twice. You you push it in, and then you pull it back out to the halfway mark, and then wait, and that's your number of the middle. So you don't want to do it on the edges. It's always got to be in the middle piece. So that's something that's well, it's not really technology. That's just something that we've embraced that we could have a long time ago. Um, the thing that the main technology things has been uh, water circulators and cooking sous vide. Oh, so hello. Sous vide is under pressure, 
basically in a bag. So when you're doing longer cooks, or even even some shorter cooks, but if you've got a nice piece of meat, I don't think you need to do it. But basically what you do is you put it in a, a sealed bag. Now, I've done demonstrations and stuff, and I've just used your snap lock bags. Oh, okay. And, and just put it in a pot. So I've got a water circulator at home. It cost me, I think, $150 I bought online. I've got three at work that all cost me $2,000 each. So um, the one at home does exactly the same thing, (laughs) except I can't cook two boxes at a time. I can just cook enough for half a dozen of us. So this has sort of changed the way it's cooking too. So it's slower cooking but precision. So it gets everything about... It's all about precision and consistency. So doing a a slower cook, you might cook uh, something at 90 degrees for, say, eight hours. It just sits in a little pot and this little thing just ticks over and it never goes over. It just sits at that. Um, I can actually cook my my barvette in there as well. So I would set it to 58, put it in the bag. Ideally, you cook it for about an hour and a quarter. Um, so it sits in there in the pot and I go and kick the footy with the kids or whatever, go walk the dog, and then I take it out of the bag and I season it and I sear it on the grill or the barbecue, slice it up done. Oh, delicious. So it's really, it's it's actually made it really easy to get consistency in, right? Um, so, yeah, a lot of restaurants do that now. Um, we've, we've got big flash ovens as well that I cook things at 90 degrees overnight, 12 hours, comes out perfect every time. That's how we do our beef cheeks. So they're nice and whole, one nice piece. Well, you know, so, if yeah, you organised, you could yeah, do that. Definitely. Well, yes, <laughs> if you've got the equipment. But like I said, $180 for a little investment like that. My neighbour across the road bought one because he, he came over and, and uh, had a few different things that I was cooking, some different cuts. And uh, he said, I'm going to go and buy one. And uh, he said, oh, I bought one. I said, how'd you go? He goes, I bought one. He said, mine's got Bluetooth on it. It tells me what's happening. Oh, my goodness. I didn't think I'd need that. But um, he said, no, it's great. He said, I can be up the back tool shed doing something. And it's like, beep, beep, oh, your beef's ready. <laughs> so he loves it. Yeah, well, my dad's got a smoker, the same, and spends more time now, like, looking at the the app making sure everything's smoking just fine at the right temperature. It's terrific. But I did we – will, we will move on from that a little bit because I think we're going, to, we're going to bottleneck the rest of our conversation if we're not careful because I did want to ask you, you know, there's a, a lot of conversation about nutrition um, and the, the benefits of eating beef. And so, you know, as a chef and a terrific, you know, beef chef at that, what are your thoughts on nutrition? This is something I talk about quite a bit because I guess – Everyone's different. I have a lot of opinions coming into the restaurant. A lot of really? people that consider, <laughs> consider themselves uh, healthy eaters. Yep. Um, and I like to think I eat pretty healthy. I don't eat a lot of takeaway or anything like that. Um, I eat fresh. I, obviously, I eat a lot of beef. And I probably eat a lot more beef than other people because I think it's so fantastic and so tasty. So the first thing, like, people have been eating beef since prehistoric times. Um, red meat is one of the most nutritious foods you can eat. It's the highest source of protein with the lowest calories, depending on which cut you eat, of course. Um, if you're eating the, the fatty part of the sirloin, that doesn't apply. But you get the, the protein, just cut that calories out. Um, things like beef heart as the highest source of iron out of anything, next to oysters. So if you had every day you had beef heart for breakfast and oysters, I, I'd say you'd be running the marathon wow. because that's so good for you. Um, it's rich in zinc, which is good for body growth. I think one of the most important things that I talk to people, and there's there's a lot of talk now about mental health. So mental health, poor people in Victoria and stuff like that, it's like mental health. 
So if you go to any um, mental health professional, they will say, make sure you're drinking plenty of water, make sure you're exercising, and eat plenty of protein. Mm. You can't get enough protein. Eat protein three meals a day. Have protein for breakfast. So who's got the most protein? Beef does. Plus there's heaps of other stuff like minerals um, and phosphorus, um, niacin. All that stuff's good for uh, body maintenance uh, and energy. So you don't see too many um, big beef eaters and, and they're, um, they say they're, oh, they're low in iron or they've got mm. nutritional problems. So, yeah, it, it's very important. So on top of all that stuff in nutrition, it's actually very delicious too. Yeah. Well, obviously. I never, get, I never get bored with it. It's a healthy. It's me eating healthy all the time. Well, I guess this is, this is a perfect segue then because, you know, is there some beef that is just better than others? Like we hear these arguments all the time and obviously with <laughs> all the different breeds and you can have some of the most amazing debates I've ever heard um, about, you know, beef. But when it comes down to it, when you've got boxes coming into the restaurant and or you're at someone else's house, um, is some beef just better than others? And then, now, this is this is one that people ask me this one too. So I say it's a lot like beer. So what are you saying, that I'm being super original with no, these no, questions today, are you saying? They're, good. They're yeah, okay, good. what I think too. <laughs> I need to be a little bit careful sometimes because I've got my opinions. But now it's a little bit like beer for those beer drinkers out there. Hooray. They're all good. They're all good, but obviously some are better than others. <laughs> um, but that comes down to personal preference too. So it's all about personal preference um, and Look, some, some beef has more flavour than others. That's, that's a given. Some, some will have more tenderness. Um, some will argue about grass over grain. Do you notice a big difference or, like, what are your customers saying to you about that argument? Yeah, see, uh, we, we change around and, and what, we, what we use. People say this is better. I, I don't know if there's a, a better. You've got to be a bit diplomatic with that too, well, I suppose. <laughs> the end of the, at the end of the day, Australia produces the best beef in the world. Um, so you're pretty safe that our beef's going to be good regardless. So it might be just like producing good wine. You're picking the, those little bits because um, the, the quality of beef that we do in this country is the best in the world. There's no doubt about it. The grading systems, uh, uh, the MSA grading system that they have that producers strive to to make sure they get into the right markets and things like that. So um, all, our, all our producers are producing really good beef. So yeah, it's, I guess it's a little bit like the, my offset smoker. Some people say, well, I like to use this wood and I like to use that wood. They're both all good. Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to get a similar result. Yeah. So, yeah, look, for me, as long as it's Australian beef, it's, it's going to be good. <laughs> very, very diplomatic. Well done, Shane Bailey. Now, we are here because we're talking about the Beef 21 event and all getting very excited. And I think, you know, in previous years, the, the Celebrity Chef program has been one that um, – People have more than enjoyed. So, what what can we expect for Beef Twenty One? Yeah, very excited. Obviously, we've been planning for a little bit. So this this time, well, it's going to be a first. So we're going to have chefs represent every state and territory in Australia. Really? Including the ACT, which is a state, and that's where our politicians come from. There's good restaurants there too, uh, and the Northern Territory. Oh goodness! So yeah, it's going to be good. We're going to have a little bit of a state of origin with those with those chefs. Now, we've just been in the process of now of sending out all our contracts and um, getting them all signed. So hopefully in the next, well, definitely in the next couple of weeks, um, you'll be able to start to uh, hear some chefs and get some recipes. And hear some diplomatic answers on, you know, is some beef better than others? No, well, we can ask their opinion too. <laughs> I mean, um, 
obviously someone from Victoria will probably say that the Victorian uh, beef down there is better than Queensland. Oh, of so then I'll have to ring up and say, no, they're all good. Yeah. <laughs> <We> <laughs> work just on your messaging. Work on your yeah. messaging. <laughs> well, it's when, when I worked in Victoria, I was told by a chef that Queensland beef um, was different because the cattle got sunburned. Now, I must oh. admit, I, I was a very young chef. Oh, please, <laughs> no, I don't like where this is going. 20, and I believed him. <laughs> <laughs> but it's totally not true. Well, I once had a, an, a colleague um, at a reputable uh, media organisation once very confidently tell me that only male cattle get horns. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that was one of those moments where you just, <laughs> the, the floor yes. opens up. Yeah. <laughs> but what else can we expect? So, um, so we can't talk too much about the celebrity chefs at the moment. We know that well, the it's state on of the Oregon cable. was definitely, um, so our, our restaurant, which was the main hub of, of the Celebrity Chef program, where the chefs came and cooked uh, lunch and dinner at the, uh, the people's lunch, definitely going ahead. That's we definitely, uh, one of the things that will be different because of COVID, we, we did it all feasting, so... It'll be a, a four-course plate at this time. It's mm. just something that's changed in the in the uh, the restaurant and catering world side of things. No more feasting. It's one of those weird things. Um, but it'll still be an abundance of, of uh, tasty cuts and things like that. So um, we expect that to be filled up pretty quick, as it was in 2018. And I have the to ask you, we, we did it. you talked about, you know, you touched on egos before, and I guess every industry has its egos and all of that and above. But, you know, chefs are... You've got a reputation for having some egos and that sort of thing. When you've got these chefs coming in from everywhere, you're all just absolutely committed to showcasing beef. Is there still a fair bit of ego in there or is this a kind of event where everyone just sort of drops the guard for the greater good? I guess because I'm very heavily involved with the chefs that come, (laughs) um, I tried not to choose uh, chefs with egos. And listen, there's not many in the industry, hey, and a lot of people play it up uh, these days. It used to be. Oh, so they're not um, all Gordon Ramsay's is what you're saying. No, and, and <laughs> apparently the people that know him, and I haven't met, well, I've only seen him at a, a, at a festival and stuff, but apparently he's actually a really nice guy. Yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> he's quite funny for TV because I watch him for the funny side of things. Um, but probably back in his day he wasn't. No, you've got to make your there. mark though. You've got to, um, and like... I think a lot of chefs have been like that. Chefs have evolved. I think one thing with, with chefs and it's it's – sort of what I really love about my job. It's it's connection between the chefs and the producers and the chefs and the butchers. All the chefs have got, they would have um, special um, a relationship with their butcher and they would have, if they're lucky, um, have relationships with the producers as well so they can ask them along the way. That's, that's how it rolls now. Um, and chefs are probably a little bit misunderstood and, but they've always considered themselves uh, hardworking and, and very passionate. Um, I've never met a producer that hasn't been hardworking and passionate and really care about what they're doing too. So uh, it's really great to see that the chefs and the producers just get along so well and both are sort of interested in, in what they do, like the um, producers interesting how they're going to cook their, their cuts. What are you going to do with it? Put your spin on it. That's really good. And then the chef wants to know um, about what happened to the cattle. Where did it grow up? What did it eat? Was it happy? Of course it was. So all that, all that, all these things. It's good. So that's a real sort of breaking down of of um, barriers there. That must be a really incredible thing to witness. Well, it's something that the chefs really like because, mm. and if they haven't, it's it's another way of uh, 
and all these events and all these festivals and big events, it's um, creating relationships and, and, and new people and it's people in the same, it's, it's the same, it's a similar industry. Hospitality industry needs uh, farmers, the farmers need the hospitality industry, so it's working together. Um, one of my producers that I use, and I, I use a few, and I've got a lot of butchers as well, sometimes I ask them, is there anything you want me to use up? Because one, I know I'm going to get a good, good price for it, and it also might be challenging for me that it's something I haven't used before as well. Yeah. I go, oh, okay. And then I might ask them, oh, right, so what do you usually do with this? Or da da da, da. So, okay, I'll give this a go. So, um, and, and that's what we do. And so what did someone say to me once? They said, um, all, these, all these cuts, all these cuts in the beef, it's not a new thing. It's um, we're rediscovering because they've always been there. <laughs> it's just we've, we've forgotten about it. Yeah, so, and I think that's a yeah. fair point. And so, you know, yourself, when you're, you've said you've got a few producers and, and um, butchers and that sort of thing and we've talked about building those relationships, but yourself in your everyday work life, how, how involved are you? And, you know, is there, are there some producers that you um, have those really strong relationships with? There is, definitely. Mm-hmm. So I have to talk about Blair Angus. So Blair <laughs> Angus, um, well, not only did he help me start, uh, to get involved with with Beef Australia uh, in 2014, uh, we've actually become very close. We're very good, very good friends now, um, and we send each other pictures of dishes. He sends me pictures of dishes that he's cooked, and I'll send him some pictures that I'm cooking. So you've got like a little like internal that. Instagram between yourselves. We of, do of between your food the two of us. Yeah, your food um, nerds. I've actually been to his property a couple of times. I was there recently with my kids. My kids are actually my kids are only young; they're in ten and twelve, but. Um, they're going to, we always said, well, if you want to go to uni, you could probably defer for a year or do it for and go and do an apprenticeship with Blair for a couple of months and actually, because they love it out there on the land and um, and it's, it's just, you learn so many good life skills out there and respect for the animals and stuff like that. And it's it's beautiful seeing the cattle in, in nature. Um, and whenever I go out there, he's become a big mentor of mine. He always shows me a few tricks that he's been doing for a long time. So little things that I haven't learned. We, we did some, um, we, he made some butter that we flavoured up. He said, all right, now you, you put the flavour, you put the chef component into it. So we basically cooked all the collagen up out of the knuckles and everything that he had on for like two days. And um, he made this butter out of it that we basically, it was like a, almost like a pate, you serve it, serve it on a bit of bread. Beautiful. I've got a truffle mushroom or something we'll put in there, make it a bit fancy, and I had some, we had some different spices. We made another one. So, yeah, all these little tricks and stuff he showed me along the way. Um, he introduced me to beef bacon. Ah, so, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love beef bacon. And Actually, the only time I've had beef bacon was in Kenya, of all places. Yeah, really? Yeah, well, I think because it was, there's quite a lot, there's quite a big Muslim um, population, but uh, and not a lot of pigs. So um, yeah, we had quite a bit of beef bacon, and it wasn't too bad. I was I was skeptical, but proved wrong. Yeah, you need a little bit of. Um, it's something that you need some marbling in. Mm. So you definitely need some marbling in, in and some definitely. fat. Um, <laughs> so I get the brisket. I get the brisket straight from the producer, and I actually take it to my local butcher, who actually he's uh, he's he's won awards for the best. Uh, um, I don't want to swear, no. but it's a different animal, other than beef. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, keep so that you, to yourself. Yes, yeah, so I'm not yeah, going to no. say Woo! the word. Yep. Um, so they, they do that. So I get him to do my brisket as well. Um, so they brine it and then they smoke it overnight and I have this beautiful beef bacon, wow. which I use on a lot of things. We use it in the burgers. We make Kilpatrick oysters out of it. It's just, yeah, it's it's really good. It's like the other bacon but just 10 times better because it's got so much more flavour. 
<laughs> well, yes, no, you, that's they've, not really, that's they've really got to you, this Beef Australia mob, haven't they? They've got you fully on message. <laughs> well, no, I love it. I, seriously, I, when we go away, when we go camping, because uh-huh. we like a bit of camping and getting out in the bush and all that stuff, mm. I definitely have to have the beef bacon. We cry back it up. It's the first thing to go in the fridge. Perfect. So we've got it when we travel. Excellent. Well, that's fantastic. Um, so anything else that you can share about uh, the 21 event before we move on, Shane Bailey? Well, yeah, we're hoping to uh, we're hoping to get some inter- the international chefs. It's obviously looking like our borders definitely is open. That's, that's a given. So we're working with uh, some international chefs that have been there before that we can still uh, bring to beef through technology and screens and get some recipes and, and get them involved in the event because we had such a good line-up of chefs for the last two ones um and and it is important i mean it's it's this event is great for rockhampton region and queensland but it actually puts uh, the australian beef on the world stage so it's it's important that we have uh, uh our chefs from around the world as well uh involved um a lot of them already know that australian beef's good have i got time to tell you a little story yeah go for it so and this is i haven't told the story forever but i just story i just thought of chefs around the world so uh, this was Food and Wine Days. There was a guy, his name was Luke Dale Roberts. So he was uh, in the top 50 chefs. And we actually got some, he wanted to do this venison dish. Um, yeah, he's from Cape, was it Cape, whatever, in South South Africa. Um, so he wanted to do this venison dish. So he said, wild if you can get it. And I got these guys to go and basically shoot wild deer in, in South Australia. It was all legit, like all legit. Um, they had license to do it and everything. So, so when he came, here's your, here's your venison, $1,500 worth of venison. So he cooked it up. He rings me up and goes, this, this venison, he said, uh, it's really, really tough. Oh, God. I said, oh, right. He said, I actually think it's too wild. I've tried everything. I've tried everything I can. I'm thinking, oh, geez, what am I going to do? There's no plan B. It's on a weekend in Noosa. There's no sort of shops that I can find oh, some more venison. Goodness. I said, mate, I'm really sorry. What, what are we going to do? He said, I saw it in your cool room. You had some beef down there. I said, yes. He goes, Australian beef is always good. Do you reckon you get me some more of that? So, and this was for a dinner that was um, sold as the best dinner in the world. So it was $850 a head dinner and we had all these big, big chefs or whatever. So he basically created his dish, like reprint the menu, venison off, Australian beef on. And he was so stoked, hey. He was Goodness. really, really stoked. So it's good that it's that Australian beef's out there. This is well, it's good that you have it in your cold room, to be honest, Shane, because that well, no, could have gone. No, I didn't have enough for him. I had to panic and phone some friends. Oh. That's why it pays to have some good butcher mates. Yeah, said, I'd reckon. Can you get me? Uh, and I think it was uh, I needed six whole sirloins. <laughs> um, and he and that was one of the first times I'd seen the sous vide too. So he actually uh, trimmed off most of the fat and then he cut the sirloin down long. Um and then cut it up for service like that. And I thought, wow, that's really easy. Um, but, yeah, so it was what it was almost going to be a disaster. No, that sounds um, like that was a high, high-tensionised situation right there. It was good strain beef come to the rescue. Yeah. <laughs> but a good story nonetheless. Now, is there anything that you would like to – any other stories before we go, Shane? Um, oh, I guess I'd just say that I'm really looking forward to our event. Um, I think with everything happening, I think the whole of – Queensland, I know chefs are very excited to come. What they'll be doing this time, we'll see a lot more different recipes. We'll see some video so people can try this stuff at home. But, yeah, just uh, I guess for everyone, enjoy your beef. Try those different cuts because it is. The tasty uh, cuts. Come on. Use yeah, the real and, words. And, 
tasty cuts. And I guess the other thing is uh, pressure your butcher. If you can't find what you need, so say, all right, so barbet and flat meat, not every butcher is going to know what that is. Um, skirt's very similar. So you get your skirt steak, even flank steak. Flank steak is such an easy, it's a, it's such an easy cut to use. Um, when you start talking about other countries and things like that and do some research, these are actually the cuts that they choose first. Mm. They, they don't want the eye fillets and anything like that. They want the uh, the tasty cuts, especially um, countries like um, that use tacos and things like that and um, cook over fire. They they know and understand that a lot of these a lot of these tasty cuts um, are so easy to use, and you can add a lot of flavour to them as well. Whatever you want, put some lime juice on there, put some chili on there. Put some spices and things like that on there as well. What are you having for dinner tonight, Shane? Oh, what do you think? It's going to be uh, some beef I've got in there. I've, I'm not going to lie to you. I do have some beef uh, barbet in the uh, in the fridge. Seriously, I, was I, do. I, I But I actually really wanted I'm not to catch li- you out. I, then <laughs> I do have some. Um, no, I actually just changed and I, I put a rump steak on a different rump steak on the menu today at work. So I brought two home oh, for me to try, <laughs> mm. even though I've tried at work. I said, I better take that home, I said to the other chef, and you know, I'll cook it up tonight and see how, how good it is. I already know it's good. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you abs- this is quality control. Shane Bailey, Executive Chef of Beef Australia, thank you so much for joining us today on What's Your Beef? And we'll see you in the kitchen Uh, or out uh, at the 21 event. Thank you, Jane. Thank you, everyone. Enjoy your tasty cuts. Beef Australia is proudly supported by our principal partners. Thanks to the Australian Government Department of Agriculture, Water and the Environment, the Queensland Government, Meat and Livestock Australia and the Rockhampton Regional Council. Thanks for listening. You can hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss any of our episodes. And if you are enjoying listening to the show, we would appreciate a quick rating and review. Visit beefaustralia.com.au for more information on this great event.